Well, good morning, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Life Church this morning. We are so glad that you're with us. Uh, we're so grateful for all of you to be here with us. Also want to say a, a special good morning to all those who are online watching us this morning as well. Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Matt, Pastor Matt, and I'm one of the lead pastors here along with my wife, Tanya. We serve with pastors Mike and Ev, and a little bit about myself, um, not to brag or anything, but I was the first guy to dunk in my high school's history in a game, so that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool, right? And uh, let's see, I'm six foot five, and I love Jesus, and I have an amazing family, and I'm married to an amazing woman, Tanya Jansen. So that's a little bit about me, uh, but enough about me, because this morning, we're going to continue our sermon series. And if you haven't been with us, we've been in a sermon series called Facing Fear. How many people have been enjoying the series so far? And it been good? Man, I don't know about you, but I feel like every week I know what's coming up in the sermon series, and that week, is that's exactly what I'm dealing with, is that fear that week. And it's like God just comes and brings answers on Sunday. I mean, last week, Pastor Ev knocked it out of the park with facing your past. And if, and if you uh, struggle with the fear of the past coming back to, get to, to bite you, you want to listen to that sermon because it's going to set some people free. Um, come on, I was, I was so blessed by that. And this week, what we're going to be speaking on is facing the future, the fear of the future. And how we're going to approach it this morning is we're going to have a, a text that we're going to read as our main text. We're going to loop back around to that text at the end of the sermon this morning. But we're going to, we're going to couch this, this sermon today in a, in a Bible story from the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles this morning, if you could turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, and you can just leave it open in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to be reading to you from the New Living Translation this morning. So Matthew 6, 34, kind of a little teaser as we are heading there, as you're moving your, your apps over, or your Bibles over to that particular page. Um, uh, again, a, a passage that we've been using quite a bit in this sermon series of facing fear is, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, in a sound mind. That's Tim, 2 Timothy 1.7. We believe that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Amen? And so uh, we're going to do is we're going to read this passage. It's going to be the one verse today, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. It's our text that we're looping back around to later in the sermon, okay? And here's what it says. This is Jesus speaking. The words are in red. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen. I'm going to read that again. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We come under the authority of the word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. We're thankful this morning, Lord God, that it divides between the soul and the spirit and discerns to the intents of the heart. And Father, this morning we submit ourselves to your word. We say, come Lord Jesus and speak to us this morning. Implant your word in our hearts that we might be changed by you, Lord God. Lord God, we thank you that you're bringing us from glory to glory and we're not there yet, but God, that you're moving us in that direction. And God, our trust and our hope is in you as our Savior and our God. I get out of the way this morning, God, and I say, do whatever you want to do. Speak through this vessel, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, when we think about the future... I, when I've been preaching in these, this sermon series, I've often used a what-if statement to kind of 
explain and uh, put context to what I'm talking about. So when we talked about, you know, facing insecurity, I talked about, well, what if I'm not enough is the fear, right? And then we talked about facing chaos. I talked about, well, what if I'm overwhelmed and I can't handle it, right? Well, this morning, when we're talking about facing the future, my what if statement is, what if? Right? What if? I mean, come on, we've all lived under the what ifs, right? Like, what if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? I know as a young man, my big what if is, what if I don't get married? What if I can't find the right woman? There's so many of them. Where do I see her? How do I know? Oh my goodness, this is overwhelming. And there was fear behind that. You know, what if, what if I can't do this? What if I can't do that? What if, what if I can't find the right job? What if I don't fulfill the call of God in my life? What if, what if, what if, what if? As we look at the future, there's so many what-ifs. It's easy to get overwhelmed. It's easy to experience anxiety over the future because there's so many things that we don't know. I mean, come on. Who here saw a two-year pandemic? Right? I mean, I I didn't see it. I didn't see it coming. You know, what if? What if? There's so many things that we are unaware of as we face the future. The future is full of questions, and there's so many things that we don't know. But we do know that our God is in the future. That he is already there, and he is already preparing a place for us. And as we explore this idea this morning of facing the future, we're going to use a Bible story from the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And this morning, uh, it's a longer story, so I'm not going to read it to you because that would take up my entire time. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a synopsis. I'm going to tell you the story, okay? And then we're going to dig into this and see how they faced their future in this story, okay? And the story is about a king by the name of Jehoshaphat and a kingdom of Judah. And in this particular story, I've kind of outlined it there for you. uh, Jehoshaphat has just come back from fighting against an enemy of Israel together with King Ahab. And they hadn't gone very well. And they returned back into Judah... And and when he gets back to Judah, somebody comes to him, one of his servants comes and reports to him that there are three enemies that have joined together to attack and destroy Judah. They're the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Munites. And they declare war on Jehoshaphat. So these three tribes gather together, and they're on their way, and the the report comes to him and says, in fact, they're already almost here. So the future is imminent, and it's not pretty. And Jehoshaphat is aware of the reality of the facts that he is greatly outnumbered. And it doesn't appear like there's anything that he can do to overcome this enemy. So what does Jehoshaphat do? I love what he does. Because it says here in Jehoshaphat, uh, in, in, pardon me, in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 3, it says, Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He was afraid. He was terrified. Have you ever faced anything in your future that terrifies you? And as he looked ahead into the future, he he was terrified, but his first response was to go to the Lord. And so he ordered everybody in Judah to join in fasting and prayer. And actually, if you read this, and this would be good homework for you, if you read this, there's a beautiful prayer in here to the Lord for deliverance and for help. And then one of my favorite parts of this is that afterwards it says that, that the families of, the, of Judah gathered together. It says that the, the young ones and the wives and the husbands were all standing together crying out to the Lord for help. 
because they couldn't face the future. They didn't know what to do on their own without Jesus, without the Lord. And so uh, out of that time of prayer and fasting, a word of God comes forth from Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, and he receives this word from the Lord, and it says this, Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. The word of the Lord comes to him, and it says at that very moment, it says, go out against tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. And how did the people respond to the word of the Lord? They praised God. They praised his name. And out of that, uh, Jehoshaphat, it says, I love how he did this, how he leads through this. This is so good. He consults the people. And then he, when they are all in agreement, he puts worshipers in front. And he starts to move out into the battlefield upon the word of the Lord. And as he moves, it says at that very moment that they begin to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. And church, by the time they arrived at the future, at the time that they arrived at the place that they were going to, that they were so concerned about, these armies had already defeated themselves. The Bible says there was not one standing, and all they were there to do was take the plunder. They were defeated, and Judah collected now, here's the question. Have you ever received news about the future that terrifies you? I think we can all relate to that. Things that come to, against us that we, we maybe feel powerless against. Maybe even as we look into the future, there's a lot of anxiety and fear about, you know, well, what happens next with the pandemic? What happens next with, uh, you know, uh, the, the markets? What happens next with all these different things, what, 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 what do we do about all these things? And it can become extremely overwhelming as you start to look into the future. How do we face it? How do we face it? Well, here's what, here's what they did. I'm going to pull out five things that Jehoshaphat and the, and the kingdom of Judah did to face their fear about the future. And we're going to get some hope out of this. Amen? So here we go. The first thing they did is they acknowledged the reality of the situation— and that they were powerless. Second Chronicles 20 verse 12. Oh God, here's the prayer. Won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. This is key. They embraced the reality of the situation. I think a lot of times when we read these scriptures in the past, we read them through the eyes of like a Sunday school kid, right? Where you hear these scriptures and you're like, oh yeah, yeah this is the one where uh, Jehoshaphat was facing that army and then they like, you know, they praised together and then God delivered them. Oh yeah, that's totally what happened. But what we don't recognize sometimes is the reality of the situation that they found themselves in. I always, I always go back to that story about the disciples in the boat when they're crossing over the Sea of Galilee and there's waves that are coming to destroy them. Like those are real waves, like, that could actually literally destroy them. Like, sometimes I think as Christians, we think that it's our job to just kind of maybe ignore what's going on around us. And plus, in the world around us, we're surrounded by distractions. We don't like to face the fear of the future, so we anesthetize them. Ooh, I like that word. What do we do? We use movies or entertainment or vacations, drugs, alcohol, partying, whatever. I just don't want to have to face it, so I'm going to ignore it. And John 16, 33 tells us this. It says, I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. 
Here on this earth, you will have trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Come on, our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in God. He is the overcomer. He is our mighty warrior. It's not in ourselves and our ability to figure it out. It's in Jesus. And it's healthy to be aware of reality that life is not just rainbows and unicorns. But that there are some things that we're going to face in life that are going to be tough. And they're going to be uh, overwhelming potentially. But we know that there is a God who is in the future and his name is Jesus. Come on. Christianity is not about living in a false reality. Right? It's about recognizing the greater reality that our God goes before us. Amen? Amen. Okay, number two, here's what they do. They acknowledge that they didn't know what to do. <laughs> they said this, the answer was beyond their capacity. Why? Because no one knows the future. Here's what he said again in 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. Oh God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. At a certain point, we have to recognize that all of our planning and preparing for the future ultimately... Only he knows. Only he knows the future. We make decisions based on weather forecasts. We make decisions based on financial forecasts. We buy more insurance. What do we do when we get news that impacts the future? We try to figure it out. But here's what it says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36, when Jesus is telling the disciples about the future. And he says this, however, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son of Man himself, only the Father knows. So here's the reality. We don't know the future. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. Now we hope it's soon and we believe that it is. But there's been a lot of books that have been written about the return of Jesus, when it's going to happen. And what do all of those books have in common? They're all wrong. <laughs> He's coming back in 1981. For sure. I'm sure of it. Really? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Nope. <laughs> They're wrong. Only he knows the future. Only the Father knows the future. Okay, here's the third thing they did. So they didn't, they didn't like hide their head in the sand. They didn't pretend that they were stronger than they were. They just said, listen, I can't do this on my own, God. I need you. I'm going to give you everything that I have. I'm going to put it in your hands, and I'm going to trust you that you're in control. And what do they do? They place their focus on the Lord. This is how I fight my battle. Right? Come on. This is how I fight my battles. You put your focus on him. Man, I couldn't wait to read this passage to you this morning because this, is, this, just, this just rocked me. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 20 to 24. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. So again, admitting that where they're at right now, what's coming in front of them seems to be overwhelming. Yet, I still dare to hope. Come on! Dare to believe. When I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. Come on, this is how I fight my battles. 
It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Come on. We put our hope in him. I dare to hope. I dare to hope. Will you dare to hope? Will you dare to hope that God has a plan for you, that God's worked out each detail for you, that God is leading and guiding your steps, that he's got a plan for your future, and he has good thoughts and good plans for you. He knows the thoughts he thinks towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. That's not up there. That's free. All right? That's what they do. Number four, what do they do? They had to trust the word of God. I love this quote. This is just so good. Daryl Johnson, a pastor at the Way Church in Vancouver, says, Without the Bible, we misinterpret the past, we misanalyze the present, and misforecast the future. Check that out. Without the Bible, we misinterpret the past, we misanalyze the present, and we misforecast the future. So what was the word that came to Jehoshaphat? When Jehaziel spoke up, he said this in verse 15, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not need to fight. Take your position, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Oh, man, come on. Our hope and our, 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 our trust and, 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 and our hope of, of the future is found in the word of God. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It's the work that he's done for us. We line ourselves with the word of God. Amen? Okay, you guys ready for the last one? You guys still with me? Here we go, number five. They worshiped into their victory. Second Chronicles 20, 21, and 24. I gotta read this. And after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. And this is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And at the very moment that they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And after they destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see, and not a single one of the enemy had escaped. So we recognize the reality that the future is coming and, and there's, there's not a whole lot we can do to prepare for it. But we recognize also that God is in the future and we can put our hope and our trust in him and we can align ourselves with his word and because of that, we can worship the Lord. We can worship his holy name. When we worship God, we are declaring that he is in our future. When we worship him, 
we're, we're speaking life into our own spirits and reminding ourselves of the reality that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he wrote down each one of our li- uh, days in a book before we lived one of them. That he sees the end from the beginning. And that he is God. And we don't have to be. We don't have to be. So how are we going to end this today? How are we going to do this? We're going to apply what we just heard into our lives today. And how we're going to do this, I want to have Tanya come up, jump on the piano as we, as we close today. And I want to read a passage of scripture to you. And then I have a statement for you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. And this is what I'd like you to do. We're going to hear the word of the Lord this morning. And I want you to just meditate on it and just think on it. And if you would, just for a moment, just close your eyes for just a moment. I'm going to read this over you this morning. These are the words of Jesus. Matthew 6, 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food in your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he certainly not care for you? Why do you have so little faith? So, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all these needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worry. Today's trouble is enough for today. Look up your phone. Who said these words? Jesus. Now, what did Jesus say earlier in Matthew 24? He says, no one knows the day or the hour. Only my Father in heaven knows this. So what is Jesus saying to us through this passage? This is what I hear the Savior saying to us. I know the Father. And if you knew the Father, like I know the Father, you wouldn't worry. You wouldn't worry. Because he knows the end from the beginning. Because he is the mighty God and the Savior of all the earth. Because he is our hope of glory and salvation. He is our hope of righteousness. He is our peace and our life and our joy. He made you 
and you were skillfully and wonderfully made. And he has a plan for your life. And so this morning, you can put your faith and your hope in him. You can put your trust in him. Why? Because he's in the future. He goes before you. And he's made a way for you today where there seems to be no way. He is our hope and our salvation. He is the glory and the lifter of our heads. Jesus says, I know the Father. And if you knew the Father as I know the Father, you wouldn't worry. Come on. Church, isn't that what it's about this morning? Is God, we want to know Him. We want His grace and His life to be more real and abundant in our lives. And so this morning as we close, what we're going to do is we're going we're to sing a song as a response this morning to the Word of the Lord. As we respond to Him about running into the arms of God. And we're going to sing about that this morning, and then I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to close the service this morning. Okay? So why don't we all stand together? I'm going to just sneak back here.
So, Father, we declare that our hope and our life is in you. We thank you that you are the great God and that you have great plans for us. Your word says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, and they are thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. So, God, we declare this morning that our hope and future is found in you. We pray that you would come and have your way in this place today, Lord Jesus, and work in every heart. Father God, we pray for those who are struggling this morning, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would bring life and hope and peace through the Holy Spirit this morning, Lord Jesus. We pray for a new sense of hope and destiny, Lord God. Lord God, that there would be a, a light that would shine upon us, Lord God, as we hear your word this morning, Lord God. And I pray that you would give us the strength to dare to hope today. To dare to hope, Lord Jesus. And I'm just going to pray this over you one more time, this Lamentations passage. I just... I still dare to hope when I remember this. God, I pray that you'd help us to dare to hope that the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And I say to you, the Lord is your inheritance. And therefore, you can hope in him. Father, we thank you that you are our shield and our, our mighty warrior. You are our great reward and you are our inheritance. And you are more than enough. We put our hope in you this morning, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.